<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real tech advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Despite black working mothers being within the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs, they remain largely underserved and underrepresented in the marketplace. No one has capitalized on their purchasing power or amplified their voices quite like Tika Sumter and Ty Randolph. Thanks to their new venture, Sugarberry, a lifestyle brand created by and for modern moms of color, they're changing the narrative by diversifying the proverbial white space with a clear mission to cater, cultivate, and celebrate this vibrant community of mothers. Today, Sugarberry merges content, commerce, and community to create a destination for Black consumers. And it's a smart move. As influential consumers, mothers of color control the lion's share of the total Black spending power, which reaches around $1.5 trillion by the time it comes in 2023. And according to Forbes, these women not only influence what other Black generations and Black men spend their money on, but as early adopters of trends, Black women also influence the general population. So for this episode of Work Party, I talked to Tika and Ty about their personalized content model, how they're catering to Black consumers at the intersection of career, motherhood, and personal development, and why it's crucial we amplify the perspectives and experiences of Black moms. So welcome, Tika and Ty. Thank you for having us. We're so happy to be here. So excited to be here. Been such a fan for such a long time and really excited to have this important conversation with you guys. So Tika, I'm going to throw it to you first. We talk about the proverbial white space, which was very clear four years ago when you were pregnant with your daughter. Can you take us back to that moment and how your frustrations at the lack of internet content and community about motherhood for women of color inspired you to start Sugarberry? I was pregnant with Ella four years ago, and I was looking for a space and community and content and commerce and just recommendations and people who were speaking to, you know, 
motherhood, but also speaking to my experience. And I didn't understand why there wasn't a space dedicated to brown moms, black moms, you know, or, you know, there was a an array of white spaces. It was kind of like we were um, a second thought. It wasn't, you know, it was kind of scattered in there, like sprinkled like a little bit of pepper. And then it was like, okay, that's enough. And I was like, huh, I, I know I spend money. I know I have friends who spend money, but they weren't speaking to us. And so I called a friend and asked somebody, uh, do they know someone who would be interested in just hearing the idea and seeing if it could work and all these things. And I was introduced to Ty and, but yeah, I just saw a space where I, I wanted to be in and I wanted to, I was part of, I was pregnant and I just felt like it wasn't speaking to me. And I was like, well, why isn't this done? Am I crazy? <laughs> Maybe somebody tried to do it and it just didn't work out. And so I decided to uh, jump into a co-founding business and partnership and, and figure it out. Love that. So tell us a little bit about how you guys met each other. It sounds like you made a phone call. Ty, what's your background? Would love to know a little bit more about the partnership. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, we were connected by a mutual friend of ours, Amber. You know, I was a fan of Tika's for a, a while, have been watching her on TV forever. But, you know, one of the things I told our mutual friends was, oh, sure, I'll meet with her so I can explain to her why she should not go into this business. <laughs> um, you know, having spent the majority of my career at the intersection of, you know, content, consumers and culture and understanding, um, you know, sort of how much competition existed in the publishing space and how tough it can be to launch and scale a digital business. You know, I said, Hey, if you're going to do something that's ad supported, if it's, you know, one more mommy blog, like uh, let me save you your time, right? Like I'll walk you through the business model, tell you all the challenges. And we got together at Soho house one afternoon. And, you know, I went on with my business hat thinking I was going to give her this cautionary tale, but ended up feeling so compelled as a consumer thinking, wow, like I haven't heard about something that resonated so deeply with me as a mom and re was reflective of my own experience. You know, my son is a year younger than Tika's daughter. We both had our, our first child at the same age. And it was very hard, as, as she described, to find any content, any community, any space carved out from a consumer product perspective that spoke to upwardly mobile modern black women. And I think the big differentiator for me was her emphasis on making a tangible call to action. This wasn't just about content. It wasn't just another blog. The vision for Sugarberry was to, you know, inspire this mom and her mini with content, but then empower them with products to live their sweetest lives. And the sweetness was what stood out because, you know, she, she often says when she was pregnant and, and the same was for me, when you Google black motherhood, when you think about images of black motherhood, it's so heavy. It's so weighty, right? We know there are definitely disparities when it comes to healthcare treatment and access, you know, maternal outcomes, you know, regardless of socioeconomic status. And, and those are issues that we tackle and head on, but where was the joy? Where was the light? And there was just this light that she described that I was immediately attracted to and wanted to be a part of. I love it. I also love a cautionary founder coming in to be like, we should not do this. <laughs> but I feel like that's probably a really good balance between the two of you because it's like that practical hat, a little bit of negativity. Because I'm the same way. I always go and I'm like, what could possibly go wrong? Like that's that's the vibe I bring to the table. But it's important. That's an important vibe. Oh, hey. If anybody gets anything out of this, have somebody who balances your yang. Because I'm like, we can do it all. We can do this. I have this idea. Creative, creative. She's like, okay, money. <laughs> 
I mean, that's what makes a successful partnership. Honestly, I love it. So I threw in a bunch of stats at the beginning of the chat, you know, 1.5 trillion in spending power. How are you guys using those numbers in your favor at Sugarberry and in turn changing the narrative for black consumers at the intersection of career, motherhood and personal development? Because there's a lot of money on the table here as well. Absolutely. You know, we talk about this. This was a real passion point. You know, like I said, we both resonated with it deeply from a personal perspective. Um, But the more we got into the research, this wasn't, you know, just an an act of good. We thought that this audience is one that offers significant growth. It's one that we subscribe to. And it was just very bizarre that so much money was being left on the table. Like you said, the more research that we dug into, there were these real bright spots, right? where, you know, we talk about all the disproportionate stats when it comes to the negative, you know, with our, with, like I said, in the healthcare space and the, the, the wellness space and, and sort of, you know, mental health treatment. But on the flip side of that, there are these other sort of disproportionate stats, which for us was a guiding light in getting into this business. When you look at, you know, black women making up 7% of the U.S. population, but driving 40% of purchases when it comes to certain categories like baby food or, you know, sort of packaged goods and juices. And we were saying when you can really move a market in that way, when you look at even in the media and the content side, case studies like Red Table Talk, which literally revived an entire product, Facebook Watch, <laughs> for, for a global platform, it was, wow, this audience moves market and we want to leverage and wield that power. So it's one of those things, you know, I think we, we end up shaking hands with lots of folks who are interested because of the racial reckoning that's been happening across this year of having a discussion and sort of have a will to listen and, and sort of all of a sudden pay attention to black women and black consumers. But we're very quick to point out that this isn't about, you know, altruism. This is about smart business and really catering to a smart and capable and influential consumer. Your business is more than the goods you sell or the services you provide. It's the heart of the economy. That's why I'm teaming up with MasterCard to support entrepreneurs by sharing my tips and advice to help their local businesses, like how creating content can build a community around your business. In today's digital age, content is king. As I personally know from falling down one too many Instagram rabbit holes, anyone can create content, but not everyone can create purposeful content. How do you create content that's not only impactful, but also fosters a sense of community? Many consumers are craving this right now more than ever. And it's on us as business owners to think of creative ways to bring it to them. To start, consider the basics of your company. What white space are you filling in your industry? What problem are you solving? And what makes you stand out amongst your competition? Establish the pillars of your brand, which you likely already know, like the back of your hand, and then brainstorm how you can create original content to uphold those pillars. For us at Create & Cultivate, we've done this by creating channels for our digital event attendees to network with each other or sourcing experts to host virtual workshops on topics that matter, such as how to promote your business during a pandemic or how to talk about money with your significant other or how to stay productive while working from home and so, so, so much more. The journey is different for every business, but all it takes is identifying your why, followed by creating content that then serves that why. For more tools and resources, go to mastercard.us slash local biz. That's mastercard.us slash local biz. Together, let's start something priceless.
Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, the largest online career resource built inclusively for women. I also have the privilege of hosting our new podcast, The Females. We're here to help with real talk career advice from CEOs, authors, creatives, and other experts to give you real strategies for building a successful career all on your own terms. Each episode of The Females is sure to not only inspire, but also to motivate you to take action and move your career forward. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes and follow along on careercontessa.com. And you guys have created this personalized content strategy at Chickaberry that brings together content, commerce, and community to create this destination. So Tika, can you explain what this personalized format looks like and how it impacts the content types and platforms you're using to reach your customer? Yeah, I mean, I think they all funnel into each other. We're creating content that our audience and community actually cares about. And with that content, we're creating commerce out of that funneling into the community to help them live their best lives. How I feel sometimes is like people count on us, just like, you know, whether it's a democratic party or Republican, whatever, they count on our vote all the time without feeding us, you know? And so, um, I'm like, well, then why can't we feed our own community? Right. And why can't we cater? We know it. we're the women, we are them. And so why are we not feeding them? It all comes out of content commerce community. So we always want it and eventually creating our own products, right? Cause we're getting to know our community even more and what they need. Right. We know the products, we wash our baby's hair. We, we use the products. Right. And so, and then growing that from there, but content feeds into commerce, which feeds into our community. Absolutely. And you guys recently just launched a podcast on motherhood. So what can we expect in terms of conversations that we can see there? Oh my gosh. I think it's one of our favorite things to do. We didn't mean for this to happen, but we launched the day before we got the stay at home orders and we launched our company in general. And that included the sugar. I mean, we talk about everything from IVF to how to speak to your kids about their bodies and to sex, to love, to partnership, to wellness, to creating your space. You know, it's just what we want to offer our community is the opportunity of joy through every realm of our verticals on our site, right? Because a lot of the times we're left out of the conversations. You don't see us on shows about weddings. You don't see us on shows about, you know, creating spaces and editing your home and all that stuff. And we're there, you know, we are artists, we are um, space makers, we are wedding planners. Like we're all these things, but a lot of the times we're kind of looked over, we're looked over in those, on those vertical platforms. So we wanted to not only bring joy, but we wanted to also bring, we wanted to bring real quality content about our bodies about, you know, we don't really talk about IVF enough. You know, we don't really talk about different ways to motherhood, different pathways. If you want to be a motherhood, auntiehood, you know, there's just so much that uh, I think our own experiences talk about the things that the greater community uh, wants to hear about. And we do that on the sugar. Yeah, that's amazing. And so important, you know, to your point, representation matters, seeing women in the interior design space, in the food space, whatever it might be is so, so important. So you obviously are tapped into black working mothers. What is the biggest topic that you think is on their mind right now? Obviously this year has been rife with challenges. Um, What is some of the content that is resonating with your audience today? 
You know, kind of to piggyback on what you know, Chico was saying, there's a, a line in the film Queen and Slim, which kind of sticks out to me in, at the beginning before everything goes left. They're at the diner and he says to her, you're a good lawyer. And she says, excellent. And he says, why do black people always have to be excellent? Why can't we just be ourselves? And it really stuck with me because it kind of speaks to the bar and expectation that exists when it comes to content and, and programming in any category, when you're talking to black consumers and, and you're centered on black creators, there's this idea that it has to be so extraordinary, right? And that it's either so laden with trauma or that the achievements have to be so exceptional. And I think what has been resonating with our audience is the sweetness and the joy and the honesty about the interior lives of black moms who are just mothering, right? So it's like, there's nothing again, out of this world happening in our communities. Like the feedback that we get from the sugar, the feedback that we get from the site was, oh, you would have a whole conference about breastfeeding, right? Every other category of woman wants to, why can't we talk about ourselves and our bodies and our relationships with our children without it being hypersexualized, right? We can have a whole conversation about how to bring joy to your space and make your home a haven. And there's no conversation about, you know, from the bottom and you come up story about, you know, you're so thankful for a house. We're not saying that suffering does not exist in our communities. We're saying that our community deserves joy. And so as we think about, you know, what's resonating, it's when honestly we can get on and we can talk about like, oh yeah, like it's hard to balance work and home life. You know, it's how do you engage with your partner and your child and everyone together and, and what products and experiences and services help enable that, that sweet life. I think the idea that someone would carve out and care so much for black women and black moms and just be totally centered on them without any sensationalism is what's really striking a chord. Absolutely. And, you know, starting a new media company is no small feat. So Ty, what has been the biggest hurdle you guys have faced during the process and how did you overcome it? I mean, I think Tika alluded to it earlier. I mean, our biggest hurdle was really, you know, when you are launching a new, a new product or service of any kind, you want to be in the market with all of your constituents, with your consumers, with, you know, the collaborators from a retail and consumer products perspective, with the advertisers who you hope to make content with and scale. And so the fact that we've literally been confined to our homes has been a unique challenge, right? Like I can't think like, you know, you can add all the things in about like how difficult it is to start a business, how hard it is to scale, you know, to build culture with a, a team who's just coming together um, and, and to, you know, strategize and all those things that are, are founder stories. And then you sprinkle a pandemic in the mix. The good thing that's come out of that though, is it's made us truly digitally native, right? Like a lot of times when you hear the term digitally native, you think of that as like, that's the way that you reach your consumers, but that's been our entire mode for collaboration. Any content we create, any conference we produce has all been remote. And so it's made us, I believe, agile and adaptable and sort of resourceful in a way that it might've taken longer to grow those, those skills otherwise. Absolutely. And I'm sure for so many parents from working from home, has been a huge challenge, especially, you know, if you have kids at home. So, you know, how have you guys been dealing with that yourself, let alone giving advice to your community and how to navigate that, you know, kind of tricky new situation that a lot of people are finding themselves in? A lot of wine. No, I'm <laughs> yeah. But I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> Girl. 
I think, you know, calling on, you know, each other, our friendships, carving out time and space for you. I think a lot of people have reimagined their spaces, whether it's big or small, whether it's they're figuring out how to make a nook in a closet to kind of have their office space to separate their life space. And I think it also, I think for me, it made me realize how many things I don't need you know, in life in general, whether it's physical or mentally, just the things that we stack up and running around and doing all these things that were cut out because they just had to be. But also you're like, do I really need to be running all over the place all the time, nonstop? And do I also need these just different things? Everybody loves a bag and a shoe. Yes. But do I need them as much as I thought I did? And do I want them? For me, I think it's like more experiences. I've never driven all over town so much in my life and seen nature, you know, and it's just the things that we can do with so much less and, and, and really looking at the world around us and looking at people in people's eyes when you're taking a walk and saying hello and like seeing people. And so for me, I've kind of created a space of seeing people and looking at my surroundings rather than just in my car and like, you know, focused on only what I have to do and, and really connecting, you know, I think that's what has allowed me to make it thus far. Absolutely. And obviously you guys launched during the pandemic. So how has some of your strategy shifted? Did you make big changes? Was there like any pivots you had to make to adjust or even in your further down the line strategy? Yeah, we, um, I mean, one of the big things, so, you know, our plan was to, to launch in March and then over the summer, we were really going to be, you know, sort of in the field with our communities, rolling out Sugarberry and the sugar to key markets. So we were going to have big experiences in Atlanta, DC, LA, Houston, New York, you know, that was off the table. There were no, there, there was no meeting in, 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 in place. And so we had to reimagine what that looked like to really be able to connect. And one of the initiatives that we're super proud of, we held in August during Black Breastfeeding Week, our first ever virtual summit called the Milk and Sugar Summit. And um, we had over 2,500 registrants commune to, you know, stream in real time from all over the country, resources that would educate and empower and celebrate Black women and, and the breastfeeding experience. The photographer, Dwayne Rogers, we, you know, Tika commissioned him to do this beautiful exhibit, which you can still find on sugarberry.com under Milk and Sugar, just celebrating and normalizing, um, you know, Black women in their bodies and the breastfeeding experience. And the number of inbounds that we got after that, just saying that this was the first time that this space had been carved out for us was really empowering. So it made us think differently about what community means in this new context of a pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things, I mean, especially at Create and Cultivate that we've been seeing, and it's interesting because I think what you guys are seeing in terms of content resonating is very similar to ours. There's this want and need for joy and almost escapism, right? Because mm-hmm. crazy right now. But then there's also the reality of what the pandemic has done. And it's really impacted women, but Black working mothers have been disproportionately affected by the increased burden of unpaid care and their careers could take a massive long-term hit. A stat came out last week, and I'm going to blank on the number, but it was like over 800,000 women have left the workforce. Can you share some of your thoughts and stories from the Sugarberry community on how you know this is affecting them and what kind of support are you putting out there for Black mothers during this time? you know, we're always trying to figure out ways in which we can help. And, you know, even with just the Breonna Taylor situation that happened and just the, the cataclysmic situation that's happening, we, 
you know, one, we were part of um, since the beginning of the pandemic, we went to Alexandria House and Alexandria House is a home that basically houses a lot of women of color and they get them on their feet and they educate them and they bring their families. And it's not just like you can stay, but your family has to go out. It's they house these women and we were able to make a $10,000 donation to them and also meet the families. We were also able to make another $10,000 donation to color of change to help our communities and in a bigger way. And so for us, you know, it's all about community. How can we continue to give? And I think that's what we're doing. We're servicing black women and allowing them to feel joy when all we do is literally, I feel like carry the weight of this world on our backs. And I think that's a revolutionary act when we're yeah. able to create joy and self-care because after a while, the mental proudness of having to jump around from trauma to trauma to trauma is not living anymore. It's just surviving. And we don't want to just survive here. That's the ultimate reason why we have Sugarberry. It's to thrive and to spread joy. And I think the joy that we're trying to commit to women, especially black women, is that change, is that revolutionary act. And so that's what I, I see us giving back to the women. And when I see, you know, even for the sugar and, I, and we read these messages that they're left, are left, it's wow, I feel like this conversation has wrapped me in velvet. I feel like I'm in a blanket. This is why we do what we do, right? Because every day we can't turn on the news and be trauma-filled and hear the stats. And I'm a woman who my career is going to take a step back. I don't have childcare. Da, 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 da. And it's like, okay, where does the, who stands in the gap, you know, between trauma and trauma? And so we want to be that. We want to stand in the gap for women. And also, you know, thinking about the way that the world is shaped now, we're obviously on our phones a hundred times more than we probably were beforehand. And there's this illusion and imagery that projects this perfect life, right? The highlight reel that we all see on Instagram. So how do we ditch this perfectionism, especially when it comes to motherhood? And how do you guys handle, you know, it for your own selves? Like when everything goes wrong and there's like craziness everywhere. And like, how do you share that vulnerability? And why do you think it's important to share that vulnerability? It's interesting on the sugar. If anyone's listened, you will, Tika and I were having a conversation, I think what, two weeks ago. And we were like, oh my God, all of our business is out there. <laughs> like, you know, everything about our relationships and our kids. But I, I think the reason why that's important is, you know, the term we use often is letting each other off the hook. And so that's a big part of all of this, because to your point, and especially for black women, where the strong black woman archetype can be so damaging to our community. And it's not that black women aren't strong, right? Like I always say, we're the spine of civilization. So however, you know, we wanted to reposition how we view ourselves as, as vessels of care, right. To be poured into and not just, you know, sort of objects of service to everyone around us, whether that's in a familial setting or in a corporate setting. And so I think what the pandemic has actually forced is the collision of these two worlds, right. And kind of the deconstruction of a lot of these archetypes, because how many times for all, any woman with kids or with family, do you have a kid crashing into a zoom or, you know, where all of a sudden you have to look at 
people as fully informed humans that have these ecosystems around them that they're supporting. So you think differently about someone who shows up for work because you literally know now you can hear their children, their partners, life happening in the background. And so I think that's been important. And I hope that's a trend that we don't revert back to, right? Because like, you know, for a while there were such basic things, like we all try to put out our most polished selves. And I remember like breaking down before Zoom one morning because I hadn't had my hair done in like what, like during the pandemic, like two months. And I was like, Tika, if I don't get my hair done, this is going to be a real issue. And she was like, I understand. Like you can get off the call. But I mean, life happens. It is what it is, right? It's so true. It's so, so true. And let's talk a little bit about motherhood and business. So has motherhood informed who you are as business owners? Have you seen that sort of effect? And how has being a mom changed your priorities in both your life and your career? I have two reasonings about motherhood. It's like, I'm not just a mother. You know, I think sometimes it's like baby attached to nipple all the time. And it's like, no, I'm my own person as well. But on the other hand, my responsibilities to my child and leaving this world behind and what am I doing and what am I leaving her and what is her legacy going to be like? And not only that, but how I am in the world and how she sees me and how she will be in the world and what she will feel is joy and freedom. I basically am her answer to that. I'm showing her. So I think they work hand in hand and I think they feed each other. While that is true, on the other hand, I have my own wants and loves in life and things that I need to do on my own, like take time for myself. And Ella also knows that, you know, like I've gone and dipped into like a hotel by myself and she's like, oh, you're going again? Okay. (laughs) I'm teaching you (laughs) self-care. And so I think it's just, I mean, I think they feed each other, obviously, but I think sometimes with motherhood, we just, it can feel like that's all that defines us is the child. And it's, we are also on the other side of that, our own person. So I just want to trying to kind of fuse those two ideas together might be a little confusing to people, but that's how I, I see things. I think that's modern motherhood. And I think it's so important. And I think, especially as women, you know, there's been this narrative for so long that, you know, we're the primary caretaker and we're the one that has to do all these different things. And like, you know, even in job interviews, and things like I don't have kids, but anytime I'm in a bigger meeting with someone, they're always like, well, when are you having kids? Cause it's like going to, they know it's going to disrupt the business. And it's just an assumption. It's so crazy to me. And I'm like, do you ask men that when they're meeting? Right. It's such a ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or as if it's going to like hold you back from doing what you're supposed to do. I have to tell you when I had Ella, I worked pretty quickly afterward. I just took her with me. Gratefully, I had my mom, but I was like, this is not going to disrupt. And somehow it's like a, a pro- like, oh my God, is it a problem? And it's like, no, I think what this pandemic is showing you is no, you work it out. I think what Ty said is, oh, you see a head pop in. It, it makes it all kind of again, the connective tissue, like, oh, we are really all in this, no matter where you are in the, in the level of business that you're on, you know? So maybe it'll give more empathy when people are like, I'm coming, I'm running late or my child, you're like, oh yeah, the girl who always popped in. Yeah. Okay. It's true. It has humanized the entire experience. So, okay. You guys are new founders during a pandemic. So what is the best advice you've received in your role as a, as a new entrepreneur? And what advice would you give a new founder today? Ooh, make sure you love what you do, child. Love what you do. Because <laughs> this, this is not a, a sprint. It's a marathon for sure. No, you know, it's, it's interesting because we heard through our process when we lay out our big vision 
often this is too ambitious or you're trying to do too much. And we really resisted that notion all the time. But I will say both in business and in personal life, one of the mantras that I've adapted is that you can do it all, right? You just can't do it all at once. And, and, and that's true. And so sometimes, you know, we find ourselves, actually we find ourselves right now as we go through strategic planning for the year ahead, really thinking about, you know, this sort of ruthless prioritization on where can we, what's the maximum point of impact, you know, and to scale from there. And that doesn't mean that if there are, you know, five amazing things that we wanted to do next year, that because we're doubling down on one, that the other four won't get done, but, you know, su- success breeds success. And so you want, you know, we don't want to take on more at any one time that we can't do well. And whether in personal or professional lives, and particularly when starting and scaling a business, especially like Tika said, it's a marathon. So, All of those ideas are available to you to bring down and to execute, but it's like, you know, one bite at a time. Ruthless prioritization. Trademark that. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to be using that in a meeting later today. Obsessed. Awesome. So we're going to finish with some rapid fire sentence finishers. Ty, to be successful, you need to be? Flexible. Absolutely. Tika, I swap perfectionism for? For ruthless (laughs) self-care. <laughs> ruthless, ruthless. Also, put that on a T-shirt, please. <laughs> the most rewarding part about being a business owner is Ty. It's not like having a baby, but it really is bringing something that wasn't to life. Right? Creating is a powerful and addictive life force. And so for all of the setbacks, like being able to think something and then make it so is one of just like the greatest powers of humanity. And so there's nothing like, you know, applying that to a business. I love that. That's so true. Tika, I turned bad days around by, by drinking wine and calling Ty. (laughs) Honestly, I feel like that's a good solution. Ty, the mantra I repeat when things go wrong is you know, it's, it's a tried and true and don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff, right? At the end of the day, you just got to be like, am I healthy? Am I housed? You know, am I whole? Like, keep it moving. And if you choose wrong, you can always choose again, right? Sometimes we, we have sort of like decision paralysis. I can't as someone who suffers from anxiety. And so sometimes you just got to do it. So half of it you're going to get wrong and then you just do something else. Keep it moving. So true. And this is for both of you. The parenting advice I always give to new moms. Girl's gonna be okay. The baby, <laughs> it's gonna happen no matter what you have or you don't have. The baby gonna grow. <laughs> I don't give parenting advice because I feel like if you do, someone thinks you're like an expert parent. So I'm just like, I could do something that works for him, but I've never been a mom to your child. So, like, Tika okay. said, it'll be okay. <laughs> do it. Yeah, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> Seriously, you got to tell yourself that every day. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. This is so awesome. Can you tell us where we can find more information on Sugarberry? On Instagram, it's the Sugarberries. Uh, That's our community. And then you can go to our site at sugarberry.com. And you can also find us on Facebook at Sugarberry. And you can find me uh, on Instagram at Tika Sumter. And I'm on Twitter at I am Tika Sumter. And you can find me on all social platforms at Ty Randolph. Also our podcast, The Sugar, that's The Sugar, S-U-G-A, any place where podcasts are stream, Apple, Spotify, all those places. Can't wait to see what you guys do next. So excited for the product and so much more. Thank you guys. 
Thank you, Jacqueline. Have a great one. For more inspiring conversations like this one, subscribe to Work Party on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Work Party.